You are listening to the Some Good Content Podcast, a swipe file of proven content plays shared by some of the most successful content marketers out there doing the work. I'm John Benini, and I'm your host. My guest today is Ash Reed, editorial director at Buffer. Uh, one of my, uh, I'm, I'm a fan, but you're one of those those people. Pretty much everybody on this this podcast that I'm a fanboy of, and just the work that uh, that you do in Buffer, uh, obviously from a content perspective, is is a level, right? So it's great to have you on. And I mean, besides content, I think something you and I share is uh, our love of Ted Lasso. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of, yeah, my Twitter feed is mostly basketball content and uh, Ted Lasso at the moment. Yeah. It's funny, when Ted, when that show first came out, it seemed like there was a lot of early hate. It was like, this show yeah. this show isn't, like, the soccer uh, portrayal here is god-awful. And I was like, this this show is terrific, though. It's, it's not about soccer, you know? It's, yeah, I thought it was going to be dreadful. Like, I, <laughs> I remember, was it like NBC or whoever like ran the adverts years ago? Like, I remember those and they were quite funny. And I saw it pop up and I was just like, oh, it's probably going to be rubbish, but I'll, I'll give it a watch. It's like six months deep in quarantine. I've got nothing else to do. <laughs> and yeah, it became like the highlight of my Friday nights for eight or nine weeks. Right. It was fantastic. Now I'm on the Cobra Kai. I got to catch up there. So um, anyways, I asked Ash to come on to some good content podcast and share any content play or plays that have had a big impact on performance at Buffer over the last six to 12 months. So he actually has three. So you're an overachiever, obviously. Um, and we're going to get to those in a second. But before we get into the plays, give us an idea, Ash, of how important content is as a channel at Buffer. Like what can you share in terms of numbers, sessions, organic sessions, um, you know, signups or trials that can be attributed and, and paying customers and things like that. Yeah. So um, I'll kind of very, very quickly rewind. Um, content has been a part of Buffer pretty much since like day one. So Leo, our co-founder, he was you know blogging and writing kind of early Twitter tips and things like that, you know, months after we launched. And, you know, in the early days, it, you know, he says that was kind of responsible for like 70% of new people coming into Buffer in like the first year or so. So we have a, a big history in content and um, yeah, now we're just entering our like 10th year um, or about to Buffer's 10 years old next month, I believe. And yeah, we have- Eternity in tech. Um, oh, sorry? Eternity in tech. Yeah, that's uh, yeah a lifetime. And <laughs> um, yeah, we yeah now have two blog properties, um, they combine for about 1.6 million sessions per month. And you know, probably about 80% of that is organic. So um, you know, we have the two properties, the library and the resources blog. Um, the library is you know, 1.2 million sessions. Resources is about 400,000 sessions. And organic um, library is about 950 thousand and resources is like 250 280 fluctuates uh, a lot um and then yeah trial started um we kind of managed this by like a self-attribution upon sign up we just asked people like where they first heard of buffer um you know we do track clicks and how many people go from blogs to sign up but that's right. just a crazy loop and data gets lost in it so yeah we go by the self-attribution um Trials directly from the blog is about 2,500 to 3,000 a month. And then search is about 16,000. Um, 
honestly, like it's kind of hard to define whether someone was searching Buffer when they signed up or right. blog content, but most of our search traffic is blog content. So, so just to clarify, that, that attribution is basically people who raise their hands when they're signing up and say, yeah. I found you through the blog. Yeah. Okay, interesting. So you try not to get mixed up too much in first touch, slash touch, any touch, and all the different attribution models that you can go crazy with. Yeah, I think like we've been through been through them all and like very you know varying degrees of complexity and yeah we changed um so like earlier this year we switched a lot of stuff like all of our data over to segment which then feeds into mix panel and yeah we just kind of decided on that model as kind of the most reliable um because yeah i just think there's so much that gets lost between you know tracking clicks across from blog to website and then you know someone can not sign up from the that session and come back to buffer.com directly and it gets lost i think it's just nicer to ask people to self-attribute and um it's nice to have like one metric that we focus on rather than like getting too lost in uh, in everything else yeah but that makes sense what about um new paying customers i know you you have that data too yeah, so paying customers um, from the blogs is around like 150 a month, and then search tends to be about a thousand a month. Um, and then, yeah, our average revenue per user number is about $25 per month in revenue. Um, so that's kind of been our focus for the last couple of years is getting that metric up. Right. Um, so yeah, interestingly, like customers at Buffer has gone down quite a bit over the last few years, but revenue and average revenue has gone up, which uh, was kind of what we were hoping for. Right. Is that just due to more competition in the space? Yeah, it was kind of, we made a call a while back just to kind of focus more on like the customers that um, get the most out of our features. They use multiple parts of Buffer rather than just like scheduling. They use analytics and yeah engagement features as well um so yeah we're kind of we're i guess lucky in that our strategy isn't hyper growth um as well like it's not something we're aiming for like we don't necessarily want to have like two hundred and fifty thousand customers uh, we want to kind of be around the stage we're at like you know 70 to 100 thousand customers is a nice sweet spot for us um and i think yeah that's kind of a unique part about buffer is that we're not chasing unlimited right. growth but it's also it's nice and it helps us to have i think quite a clear defined strategy of like who we want to speak to and what we want to achieve right it gives you more control over the editorial too i would imagine in the yes. direction there when you're not yeah. uh, chasing hyper growth so tell me about the team um uh like how big is is the team as it relates to to content and you know you have a couple properties you got the podcast so tell me about the size of the team yeah, it's um, pretty small. So I'm the only person full-time focused on content at Buffer. Um, we Wait, have say that again? A marketing team. <laughs> You're the only person yes. focused full-time on content at Buffer? Yes. That's yeah. a headline um, right there. <laughs> it, might, yeah, it might change um, soon. But yeah, we are, we're a marketing team of about eight people. Um, we've got a few of the team focused on like life cycle and that side of marketing then there's myself um kind of focused on content like podcast and blog yeah. then we have uh, someone we brought in this year on like i guess yeah i'll count sophie as a, a content person actually she's a like kind of audience development 
um, focusing on like content promotion and social. So she handles like all of our social media management and getting our content out there in front of existing audiences and new audiences. And then we have a couple of product marketers who contribute blog posts. They, um, you know, we'll do a lot of stuff around launches and writing kind of strategic pieces around the feature launches that we'd like to rank in search. And then we've got, yeah, Kevin, our VP of marketing who kind of oversees everything and manages the team. And um, that's kind of, yeah, all of us. And then we also, um, this quarter, we started working with animals to a content marketing agency to yeah. like help us get uh, a little bit more content shipped. Nice. Yeah. That's, um, that's a, t- yeah, that's a tight process. Sounds like a yeah, small team. You're getting a lot done. So what is, uh, like, tell me about, obviously you guys publish a lot of content. Um, and you just mentioned that you're working with animals a little bit. So what is, what does that output look like in terms of, uh, you know, the team, what percentage is in-house contributors? You mentioned some product marketers, write Content versus freelancers or, you know, guest submissions from, you know, whether it's users of Buffer or just, you know, partners or anything like that. Like, what does that look like? Where are, you know, where is the content contribution coming from? Yeah. So honestly, like the last couple of quarters, we haven't been shipping too much. We've done like, we've had a lot of like high level kind of thinking where we go and what we're doing, who do we want to serve, all of, mm. all of that stuff. But when we get back on track, it will be kind of the library, which is the SEO side of our content offerings. Um, we're hoping to kind of outsource most of that stuff to um, to animals and to maybe freelancers, contributors. And then in-house, we try and do a lot more of the stuff on resources, which is like, you know, company culture stuff that only we can write, but also, sure. you know, customer case studies, um, you know, stories of like, breaking down the latest trends, what's going on on social, all of that stuff. We try and do that more in-house or with like specific subject matter experts. Um, so I think if I could break it down like a perfect kind of target, it would probably be like 50, 60% in-house, um, 40% kind of external, some guest posts and, and things like that, as well as animals. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, that's impressive. Um all right, let's get into the plays. Uh, you shared three content plays that have had a big impact uh, in terms of performance uh, at Buffer over the last six to 12 months. The first one you mentioned was going big on podcasting, which I know you have uh, the science of social media, breaking brand. So tell me about why podcasting became um, you know, a viable channel and just like how that, how that all broke down. Yeah, so I think we started the science of social media in 2017, and we just recorded like episode 200 on Tuesday, so a couple of days ago. Um, so that's right. kind of been going for a long time now. Um, averages about 25,000 downloads per week, and we really kind of got into podcasting as I think like I like to look at it as like defensibility. So. Um, a lot of our traffic and our content success comes from Google, which ultimately we're not in control of. And I just like to have as many different ways to connect in meaningful ways with our audience as possible. So, you know, if Google changes and updates its algorithm tomorrow and we lose tons of traffic, like we still have the podcast audience there and 
you know we can we can connect with them whenever we want and you know that's really really important and i think also just like you know for buffer like we've been doing we've been blogging for a long time um it's nice to just try new stuff sometimes um like it doesn't you know there is always strategy behind it but sometimes it's just like let's try something new let's do something different and see how it works for us so that was kind of the science of social media and then well, tell me about the distra, the distribution there. Uh, that's a lot of listeners, obviously, per week. So is that promotion through, you know, your email channels to existing, you know, leads and existing customers? Um, has there been a specific channel that's allowed, you know, the team to really, um, you know, allow that podcast to blow up? Like what's worked there? Yeah, I think honestly, like it's been our existing audience. Um, that's been a huge driver of that. Um, has just been, you know, being able to write show notes that will rank to embed podcast episodes in um, like high traffic blog posts that are related. Um, that's probably like one of the big things that was a driver to begin with. And I'm kind of, when it comes to like launching anything or doing anything new, I like to just use whatever your advantage is. And like often to us, our advantage is our existing audience. Um, right. Other people don't have that, but like no matter what size you are, there's something you can use to your advantage and like whatever that thing is that works for you, just like go all in on it. And yeah, for us, it was like we had baked in distribution, you know, to through the product. We can share it, you know, in like little windows in the product. We can share it in emails to our users. We can embed it in the blog. We can share it across social. We can cut it up into blog posts. Um, yeah, it's just kind of redistributing it in as many ways as possible and the other thing is just like consistency. Um, you know, it's about three years, um, 200 episodes over those three years. Um, I think we probably went like 90 or a hundred weeks straight back to back, um, when we first launched it. So that was probably the most, um, defining part of the success was just deciding we're going to do it and actually doing it. Right. So embedding in the blog posts, uh, for related topics was big. Are you still promoting it through email every time a new episode goes out? Yes, yeah, so we do like a um, a weekly roundup to our blog subscribers. So new episodes go in there. Um, we break it down into like Instagram stories, Instagram feed posts, share on social, um, all of the kind of usual stuff. Like honestly, I don't have a uh, a secret weapon for growing the podcast, but yeah, it's just kind of doing all of that stuff consistently over time. Um, and then I think with like breaking brand, it was kind of a different thing. Um, so last probably the last like 12 18 months we really honed in on like direct to consumer brands as an important audience for buffer like they were Mm -hmm. they always used the um like cutting edge social features they post to instagram a lot like social channels are big drivers of success for them so they were kind of perfect customers but buffer as a company like we're not Shopify or I don't know Privy or whatever like we're not a direct consumer company or a company that's known for serving them so breaking brand was kind of a way for us to like foray into that area and just like build some trust kind of build like an immediate trust with that audience so yeah that one kind of existed to um yeah let us build trust with a new audience but also like whenever I do something like podcasting or something new it's like how many different ways can we win from this and it's like you know breaking brand one of them was like building trust and building 
a small audience of direct consumer businesses. But the other one was like, this is an important like customer segment for us. And by producing this show, so like the show followed Gin Lane, who are like kind of like the number one branding agency for direct consumer businesses. Um, right. They've launched like multiple brands that have IPO'd. Um, like I think it was something like 50 startups worth combined 15 million, uh, 15 billion now. And they were transitioning away from agency life and launching pattern brands like a direct consumer business of their own. And we followed them behind the scenes on that journey. And even if we didn't release it, that content is so valuable to our team because it's just an insight into exactly what our customers are doing and how they approach everything from, you know, like coming up with brand names, positioning to how right. they go to market. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like the existing audience, right? They had that existing D 2 C audience and by sort of documenting their journey into becoming a D 2 C company themselves, like you naturally were able to piggyback off that, uh, exposure yeah. that they already had. Yeah, it's instant like credibility and right. people in D2C care about that story, um, which was really important. And I think as well, like, you know, even if no one outside of Buffer listened to it, like if our 90 person team listened to all of the interviews, listened to the series, we right. as a team would know 10 times, 20 times more about that customer segment than we did before the show. So sure. yeah, just try and like stack up the wins in as many ways as possible and think about it, not just in terms of audience, but whatever impacts it can have on the company. Right. And how does the team think about, you know, the impact of podcasting on the organization, whether that means, you know, trial signups, customers, um, or does it not? Yeah. So we do like in the attribution, um, the self attribution we talked about at the start, like we do have podcasters an option and off the back of breaking round, like we did have, I think it was like 400 trials started from, you know, online stores, which was mm. kind of our D2C categorization. Right. And it was kind of cool just like flicking through there and seeing the types of companies that were signing up. And some of them were like what we would see as ideal customers, which was pretty cool. But also it's kind of like the way I think about these kind of things and the way I kind of pitch podcasting to leadership and anyone else in the company is, just kind of building an audience of people that look like our ideal customers. Right. Um, and if they sign up, that's amazing. But if they don't, they still hopefully have some sort of affinity to us because they're listening to our content. They're spending time with us and hopefully they care about buffer. Like sure. I don't, I don't really like thinking about funnels because I think they're kind of broken. And like the example I always use is, um, like Basecamp. like I'm not a Basecamp customer. I probably never will be like, honestly, I, don't really like the way the Basecamp software works, but I love the company and I listen to their podcast. I read mm. their blogs. I follow Jason on Twitter. Read the books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have rework somewhere behind me. And if anyone needs a um, project management software, I'll happily recommend them. It's like, it's, you know, it's not for me, but a lot of people love it. And I've got nothing but good things to say about them. And that's how I kind of think about content. You know, if we have people in our target customer segments, you know, maybe they just feel the same way. They don't like the way Buffer works, but they like the Buffer brand and what we stand for and the content we create. That's a win. Like if they're talking positively about Buffer or, you know, they're just consuming our content. Um, right. I'm more than happy with that. For sure. All right. So to recap, play one, obviously consistency around a podcast and leveraging your internal distribution channels, email, existing blog posts and things like that, the product to gain exposure. <laughs> and again, consistency over three years. 
and uh, and then launching a podcast that uh, sort of piggybacked off of a, a, a external uh, brand that already had access to an audience you were going after um, and sort of telling their story. So I think that's, that one's brilliant. I love that. Um, so that's a great one. Play two is one that you shared was about unbundling your blog into two properties focused on different use cases. One, you've mentioned these already. One is the library. One is resources. How are those different and how is buffer leveraging each? Yeah. So we kind of have like, we have a freemium business model, which has kind of always been quite important to us. And what we kind of realized maybe 18 months ago, two years ago was like, we had a lot of this SEO focused content that was like high, like highly searched keywords, driving a lot of traffic, but it was people that wanted to go from A to B. Like they wanted to know how do I set up my Facebook page? How do I schedule an Instagram post? How do I get my first thousand followers? And that was like one segment of our content. And then there was also the people who are on like the higher paying plans of buffer and they're largely professionals they know what they're doing when they're searching they're searching for inspiration they're searching for what's going on right and it just kind of felt a little bit at odds to have like someone come to the site and they see here's how to set up your instagram profile and then they scroll a little bit down the blog and it's like <laughs> and here's all the trends this week or like here's what's going on at buffer or whatever it was so it kind of made sense i mean just to like split them out and have one property um so like the library focused on bringing in like mostly free users um people that might stretch to our like 15 dollar a month plan and people that kind of aren't full-time marketers and they just want to do a bit of social on the side or they're trying to start their own thing and to focus on those customers and have like honestly like just for my sanity like having 200 to 300 urls on like one subfolder that i can constantly pay attention to check the search traffic see which ones need refreshing is so much easier than trying to manage a blog with a thousand on right so <laughs> splitting them um i think it makes sense from like customer experience but also from just like an execution standpoint it's nice to have separate properties with kind of distinct um reasons for existing and then yeah, like the resources site is kind of, you know, what's going on at Buffer, all of our transparency, all of our culture stuff, and then like social media strategy for kind of like experts, but like yeah, experts and professionals. So, you know, it's people that want to know, they want to be inspired, right? Like one customer I spoke with a few weeks ago was just like, whenever I'm searching for blog content, you know, I like they work in a juice shop and she was just like, I write captions about juice 365 days a year. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. I just want a little bit of inspiration. I want to know how I can write today's caption different to yesterday's. And that's kind of what we try and serve in, in that space is like, here's what other companies are doing. Here's a little bit of inspiration. And we also sit that alongside like our company culture stuff, because the people that read there are, you know, the ideal kind of paying customers for buffer and honestly like a differentiator for us is all of our culture side of the business is the way we operate transparently the way we share everything openly and the way we try and create like a workplace that's kind of flexible inclusive and mm. all of this great stuff like that's actually a selling point to some customers like some people stick around 
with us because of that and kind of having that sat next to the professional social media strategy content it's just like an opportunity for us to tell our story um so there's a quote i'm gonna butcher it um but (laughs) it's from i think it's joy howard like the ex um vp of marketing at patagonia who kind of said like people come to us for a product and then once they know our story they stay forever and that's kind of what we think with some of our content and like once someone is inside of buffer yep we want to like deliver everything from a social media tool perspective and serve their needs functionally but how can we also just like tell our story and show what we're about and you know hopefully get them bought into that side of the company as well right and i would assume you have a more deliberate approach now to developing content for both audiences whereas before when it's one feed you know you might be neglecting probably the more strategic you know marketer in favor of the one that's going to maybe drive fifty thousand organic sessions yeah it's exactly that it's like when you're just kind of focused on when it's one thing it's so easy to just like get lost in the seo data and say like well this post could bring in ten thousand sessions a month versus this story about you know how a brand launched on instagram which isn't going to drive organic traffic Mm. so it's it's nice to have a clear break between the two and also kind of like different approaches to how we create content because yeah like if i'm trying to prioritize if it's one property and i'm trying to prioritize things i'm always going to default to the seo traffic um just because that's the background that i've come from that's what's always worked for us and in some ways it kind of it forces my hand and makes me kind of think about it a little bit more but still the resources like you shared before you're still generating what was it two almost three hundred thousand organic sessions a month? So even though that's yeah. not the primary motivation, you're still, <laughs> you know, you're yeah, still. Yeah, like we still have. Right, you're still you ranking. Know, you're still driving of, traffic. Yeah, tons of backlinks and yeah, tons right. of like domain authority. And we are lucky that you know what if we put anything up there and it does, Google likes it. It will rank rank highly still. Um, so yeah, we're not. I think, yeah, we are, I know what a privileged position we're in there in that like right. <laughs> we can not be fully SEO driven and we can still rank. Right. But then there is like nine years of kind of work to get to that stage. So that's a, that's a solid play too. Uh, that was a second play unbundling the blog and blog into two properties, um, and have a very deliberate approach for both audiences. So the SEO focused approach that most blogs are running now, but then a more strategic approach that's a little more appropriate for some of the more advanced customers. Um, so you have a more deliberate strategy that you're creating content more consistently for both audiences. Um, and that's obviously having a result. The third one that you shared, the last one was focusing your content around narratives that you believe in. What does that mean? Cool. So, um, yeah, when I first started writing my first freelance, the first paid piece I ever got to write was for crew, which is kind of now unsplash. And, the editor there, Jory, he said this thing to me, which is, I think he wrote it in a post, but it stuck with me ever since, which is like, everything has already been said. It just hasn't been said by you. And I think when you're like focusing on search content, you're not reinventing the wheel. Like you're largely writing stuff to outrank what's already there. And I think if you want to like really do that well, it's, there's like the skyscraper where you can just go and rewrite what's there slightly better, make it longer, get more links. 
or I think you can kind of do it in the way that only you can and from the angle that your business like really has authority in and like with with us at Buffer like this year um, one of the the narratives that we really focused on was like growing a sustainable business means not being propped up by advertising and having organic growth so you know that again like it tells me which keywords I want to focus on it's like we want to be known in this space like we want to help people with this thing so it tells me what I should be writing and researching but also what lens I should be approaching it through um so you know I think like you can yeah anyone could skyscraper a piece of content but only we can skyscraper it through the lens of the narratives that we believe in and what we believe in as a company and I think you know going back to that like Patagonia quote of you know once people know our story they're hooked like if you can get your story and your beliefs across through your SEO content like that's just a much stronger brand play than rewriting what already ranks right I was going to ask like how does that like, how do you execute that? Is it just about tying it into that SEO content? Because it would seem like it'd be harder to do when you're writing a post about how to get more Instagram mm-hmm. followers. Like, it seemed like that kind of content would be more appropriate for the resources that you're saying, the more strategic yeah. stuff. But are you able to weave it into all of the content? Like, is it about weaving it into all of the content that you publish? It's where applicable. Like, I wouldn't just throw it in everywhere, like, kind of without regard. I wouldn't, like, shoehorn it in where it doesn't need to be. But I think it's just, like, in picking the topics we write about like how does that fit in the narrative that we want in the market Um, and also just like kind of telling us what we should be doing and prioritizing so like we produced a an audio conference called built to last with wistia um a couple of months ago and that was kind of focused around that narrative of like you know we want people to build businesses that are sustainable so we'll put together a two-day conference on how to go about doing that and put that out there in the world and it kind of drives you know for me when i'm looking at a project i'm just like how does this benefit buffer and does this fit with the stories that we want to put out into the world if not then i'll put it to the side and maybe i'll come back to it one day but right, right. now that's not my priority um you know there's so many things you could do so many pieces we could write and um, just having set narratives that we want to be talking about helps with focus Right. Right. I like that. It's, it's more, that's, that's a, that's a good play. And it, it's, it's more about don't just say things, but have something to say. Yeah. And, like have a reason. Right. And, and weave it into the content where it's applicable. Um, I like that. And I think Buffer is one of those, uh, those, those brands where that's evident in not just the content, but the social, the, the following the social feeds of Buffer and, you know, the stuff that your founder tweets and it's, it's evident and, uh, it makes sense, right. To, to weave that into the content. Um, yep. so those are solid, man. Thanks a lot for, for sharing those Ash and, and for coming on, sharing the numbers, sharing the info about your team. I'm sure I speak for many others when I say buffer is one of those brands from a content perspective that many of us look to for inspiration so, uh, yeah, we, we all appreciate, appreciate you coming on and, and sharing all this information, man. It was great to have you. No, thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And yeah, it's always very nice and humbling to hear those things. And, um, yeah, thanks for having me on and letting me share. And, uh, I'm part of the group as well. So I would just say like any questions, throw them in the comments and I'll, I'll try and jump in. Awesome. Thanks, Ash. Mm-hmm.